Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. This is a, another new episode that we are bringing to you this week on this beautiful Friday here in the towards the end of October. We're just about a week or so away from the end of the month, which is going to put us into November, which means, uh, let me look at my calendar here. Uh, we've got uh, one more week in October, and then... We've got one, two, three, four weeks in November, Uh, and then I think December 3rd, we're going to do the Christmas series, so the 3rd, 10th, and 17th, we will do a Christmas special, and then uh, we will have the 24th be our Christmas Eve episode, and then we'll probably launch another Christmas Day bonus episode. i I think I'm collaborating with a few people on those two dates, so stay tuned. Uh, Something is in the works, I believe, as well as we want to drop a Reformation Day special episode uh, on the 31st, so you'll get two uh, Undying Light episodes that week. It'll be uh, a cross-platform between me and two other shows to which we will announce at a later date. So that's in the works. Uh, We're going to continue our journey through Esther. Uh, I don't foresee us actually getting through the entire book by the Christmas special. So with the, oh, I don't know, 10 chapters that are here in Esther, um, we'll probably spend, uh, I don't know, eight episodes or so on those. I I want to try and, and, again, take as much time. However... I want to ensure that we're moving at a relatively fast pace. Ten weeks in Esther is a lot. Um, I think we did Song of Solomon pretty good. So uh, if I can just kind of read through the text and summarize it quickly, then we can try to do two chapters or one and a half chapters an episode, and that should shorten it down from ten weeks. I, you know, And I think that keeps the entertainment aspect, the desire to keep listening there because you're, you're one getting a lot of content in a shorter episode, but two, uh, we move through it to where it's not just the same stuff over and over. And I mean, 
we we took a deliberate move last year to do eschatology. It took us uh, over a year to do it, and I think by the end of it, we produced uh, forty-eight to fifty-some episodes uh, on just end of times study. We did have a short break for Easter and Christmas in that time period, but we wanted to really ensure that we went through as much scripture as possible and covered all of the Bible. Uh, you know, we didn't get too deep into like Ezekiel and Daniel, but those are those are tough books to really read in themselves. Uh, we might see some of that pop up in this series, but the biggest focus was the four major views and how they applied those particular passages from Daniel and Ezekiel. So with that said, uh, this is the first uh, chapter, essentially, of Esther that we're going to get into today. And uh, I was really debating, and I mentioned it last episode, um, I'm not a great uh, pronouncer of words. There are just some things of the foreign languages that I just cannot get off my tongue properly so i would be butchering it so i thankfully have a good friend uh chris from ezra reads the law he's going to actually um read chapter one for so i'm gonna actually he's already done it i'm gonna cut that audio into this show so uh i'm gonna have him actually read through chapter one and then i'm gonna work through the notes after uh we conclude chapter one it's about a four minute long dialogue so I was so blessed when he volunteered to do so. So if you have an opportunity and you haven't listened to him yet, go and check out his show. It is wonderful. Uh, I've been on it a few times, and he's been on this show a few times. And uh, it's a good, solid episode uh, series that you will get from him. He's going through the harmony of the Gospels. And so he's working himself through uh, each Gospel in accordance to how they work off of each other so he's got a lot of great episodes a couple seasons that he's worked on here he's on his second season now and his last episode dropped last uh, earlier this week and it was called the lamb of god the testimony of john the baptist part two now him and i have talked uh i might join him for uh the conversation with nicodemus so that is going to be really an interesting episode. So if I have his permission, I'm going to share that as a bonus episode on Undying Light as well, uh, because I want to try to get him as much exposure as possible. Uh, the other person who I will, at a later date name, uh, I will do the same thing and give them exposure, but uh, I, I don't I don't want to give away too many secrets up front if you catch my drift. So uh Stay tuned. Hopefully next week I'll be able to uh, drop some some bombs and we'll we'll make some works happening. So, uh, guys, you know, we continue through this whole series. Uh, I've titled it The Least of These. Obviously, you don't see that um, unless you're looking at, like, the detailed show notes and stuff. Um, I, I The reason I titled it that, The Least of These, is because, uh, first of all, that's how Jesus phrases uh, essentially the children, the least of these. And when he does so, it really, to me, kind of just sat in my head. I'm like, you know, we don't take as much and put as much attention into our children uh, as we as we should. 
And because of that, I thought, boy, this would be a great title for this series, the least of these, because these are books that you won't get uh, often read inside of a, uh, a pulpit. You might get a good Bible study on some of them from time to time. You might be able to grab some good commentaries. There's great commentaries out there on all these books, but you're not going to go out of your way and read these uh, these these books. That just Song of Solomon, Esther, two books that are just not common in the Christian language. And so I thought, boy, it'd be great to do these. And then we're going to look at Zacharias, and then we're going to look at uh, uh, or Zechariah. And then we're going to look at a couple of the other books. I've already named them uh, a number of times here as we walk through this series. I just find it to be fun, entertaining, and impactful because it's something unique. You don't get a lot of this, again, even in the podcast realm. You don't get people digging into these books and sharing them. So with that said... Uh, some of the things that are, are kind of shifting for Undying Light a little bit, just a little bit. Um, obviously, the show is going to continue on Fridays, 7 a.m. That's the drop date. That won't change. Uh, we will have some bonus episodes and, and collaborations and stuff like that happening between now and the end of the year. Wonderful. But as we get into some of this other content, uh, I want to certainly address um, this uh, notion for the patron account. And I, I've talked about it on the show a lot. And I, and I think I've kind of given some hints because, you know, I bet you if you asked most normal people who are on social media who enjoy listening to my show or follow me on Instagram, uh, if, you, if you were to ask them about what patron is, they probably couldn't really tell you. And the easiest way I can explain it is it's kind of like a crowdfunding site. And it allows people to come alongside and contribute to uh, something of their choice. It could be anything. Uh, Patron has all sorts of uh, platforms that you can get into: podcasting, animation, music, art. Uh, you could do people do cosplay on there. I mean, all sorts of nerdy stuff. And it's a wonderful platform to help start somebody and, and as they kind of build into their bigger career. Now. My biggest career move was leaving corporate world America and taking on a pastoral ship here in Iowa. And I love my church, my congregation. They are my focus. They are the where my attention goes. But I do enjoy my podcast, and I want to kind of make this a staple to my ministry. And so this helps to get that out into the open and continue to showcase that. So I know I have a lot of patrons who listen to this. Um, I have currently 52 right now on the roster and you guys are again, wonderful and, and thank, and I'm so thankful for you. And if you're curious at how to join us, there is information in the show notes. You can also DM me on Instagram. I don't do tears. A lot of other places do. I can't sell you anything more than my time. And my time is only worth to you as much as you feel it to be. Uh, all I ask is a dollar a month and, and it's not to me, it's not completely and 100% about the money, even though that does go to paying the ministry. It's not about the money. It's about the fellowships and the community. I have formed amazing friendships with a lot of my patrons, and I am so thankful for all of them. 
I am so thankful for all of them. And I am so blessed to have so many coming along and follow me. And because of that, I'm able to produce episodes weekly. And then I give back to the patrons. One of the things that I was saying is shifting is another thing I'm going to add to my list of already things that I do for them is I'm going to have a monthly uh, meetup on Zoom or whatever platform we're at at the time. And it's going to be once a month. It's going to be uh, an hour long. And we're just going to get on the mic and just talk, ask questions, have fellowship, and just enjoy our time together. So that is uh, one of the extra things that I'm going to do on top of the Bible study and the commentaries that I write and all of the attention that I give them. So if you're interested in joining DME, check out the show notes here for the episode. All the information there, it's just patron.com forward slash undying light. And you can find us or you just search us patron undying light on Google and you'll find us. And like I said, for as little as a dollar a month, you can come and join us. And, uh, and really I find that you would be impacted on such a deeper level getting inside, you know, the mind and workings of undying light and the behind the scenes and all of the extra stuff that I do. And, uh, it's a great community. Like I said, we've got a discord server set up to where we can have conversations with anybody, uh, who's a patron and we have all sorts of people from every background in the, you know, theologically present so wonderful group of people i'm so blessed for them so come check us out so that's my big long commercial um the other thing i'm saying is shifting is in november we will be moving to a um probably a new shirt t-shirt and uh, merchandise platform i'm trying to work with a vendor and see how that's going to play out for us so there could be new undying light merch coming soon the bonfire site is still open. You can still get whatever you want. Hats, gloves, hats, mugs, t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, hoodies, all the sort. It's all still there. You can, by all means, go and get the original UL shirt. But I'm going to try and do um, different kind of stuff with this new vendor. I want to do the original UL shirt that has the Psalm uh, 119-105 quote on the back, the UL logo on the front. And then I'm going to start mixing up some stuff. I've got a couple of people who are good friends with that are uh, graphic designers. And so I'm going to in, uh, employ their help and kind of redesigning some of that. So new and fresh gear coming. So if you already have a UL shirt, get your, wait and get yourself a new one when we launch that new platform. Uh, and then as always, guys, I'm using Logos Bible software to uh, make <laughs> this show happen. Uh, And not only do I use it for the show, I use it for my preaching. I use it for teaching. uh, I use it when I'm teaching confirmation. I use it when I'm talking with my wife. Uh, It's a great platform. It's super versatile. And and it's instrumental to me. And it's not just a pastor piece of software. It's not just a, you know, uh, anybody who's a a theologian or anything. It is for everybody. Even to the simplest of people who don't have you know the the depths of resources available to them logos can give you all of that and uh so you can just check out logos.com forward slash undying light and get yourself a discounted copy and some free books and then every month they give you free books and then you get promos and deals and all sorts of cool stuff with it so i'm using it 
to run this Esther series. I've done it for Song of Solomon, Eschatology series, and all the sorts. So uh, my primary sources are the Lutheran Bible Study, the ESV Study Bible, uh, the NASB Bible. As we look at translations, I've got Luther's works and uh, the Reformation Study Bible as well. And then I've got some other commentaries and stuff open on my screen to kind of help us walk through the, the material. So with all that further, without further ado, let's get into the meat. And so we will hear Chris from Ezra Reads the Law take on Esther chapter 1. Esther chapter 1. Now in the days of Ahasuerus, the Ahasuerus who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces. In those days, when King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne in Susa, the citadel. In the third year of his reign, he gave a feast for all his officials and servants. The army of Persian media and the nobles and governors of the provinces were before him, while he showed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, 180 days. And when these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in Susa the citadel, both great and small, a feast landing for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white cotton curtains and violet hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars, and also couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels, vessels of different kinds, and the royal wine was lavished according to the bounty of the king. And drinking was according to this edict. There is no compulsion. For the king had given orders to all the staff of his palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women in the palace that belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abigtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown, in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs, at this, the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment, the men next to him being Karshina, Shithar, Admatha, Tarshish, Medes, Marcina, and Mimikin, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuchs? Then Memukin said in the presence of the king and the officials, Not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. 
This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media who have heard of the queen's behavior will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. If it please the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Memucan proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, that every man be master in his own household and speak according to the language of his people. So here we have uh, Chris taking the time during his busy day. Uh, it sounds like he's at uh, food court eating some lunch, which is totally cool because this was something unique and something different that I was trying with the show. And he did it uh, a fantastic job recording this, nailing everything. Uh, he sent me kind of a, de a demo of uh, chapter one uh, a, a couple days earlier than this one that I have now. He got, I think, into the Unix, and he stumbled over a couple of the names, and he's like, all right, I'll record it, re-redo it. And so sends me this, and man, it was just perfect, spot on. So again, I'm going to try and work through some of these, but I appreciate Chris's uh, willingness to open his time up and, and read chapter one. It only took four minutes to get through, but there's a lot of content in there. And uh, so let's try break through chapter one today and see how it goes. So Ahasuerus is this Persian king, and this is right around 486 to 465 BC. He is the son of Darius the first, who reigned 522 to 486 BC. He is the grandson of Cyrus the Great for uh, 559 to 530 BC who had issued the decree allowing the Judeans in captivity to return to their homeland. Uh, verses 2 through 4 here in Ezra run, Ahasuerus is Hebrew rendering of the Persian title Mighty Man, a title the king used uh, on monumental inscriptions. Uh, he's better known by his Greek name, uh, Exraeus, if that's how you pronounce that, probably not. So uh, all you language critics out there can hammer me for that. Uh, India to Ethiopia, Persia's territory exceeded that of any previous empire, extending from the Indus River far to the southwest to the borders of Greece and the region below Egypt, far to the southwest. 127 provinces is this vast empire divided into uh, provinces and satrapies. So now as we move into verse 2, uh, the Susa is a winter providence uh, of Persian kings, 200 miles northeast of Babylon, one of the four royal cities. Ahasuerus had made extensive renovations to the apocryphous area around above the city. The third year, uh, as Greek historian Herod Heroditus 
tells of a gathering of Ahasuerus's mighty men one year before his disastrous military campaign against Greece. This happened in 482 to 479 BC. Uh, the feast, uh, the Hebrew can be translated to drinking party or banquet. This is verse 3. Uh, ancient Greek historians report that the Persians gave lavish banquets, and banquets are the setting for important plot developments in the empire. 180 days, as verse 4 says, the first half of a year, Ahasuerus has displayed the uh, ostentatious grandeur of royal opulence inherited from his father uh, Darius. Rarely has such exact uh, extravagance ever been exhibited. In verse 5, at the conclusion of the half-year feast, Ahasuerus lavished his generosity on commoners who were welcomed into his private quarters for a week-long celebration. Some scholars suggest that this was a wedding feast because a week was the normal length of marriage celebrations. Verses 6 and 7, this detailed description attests to the historical accuracy of this account, underscoring the luxurious indulgences of the Persian court. Numerous rare words portray images of flamboyant beauty and luxury. Uh, The cotton mentioned only here in scripture. Uh, First cultivated in India, cotton slowly found its place alongside linen in the West. Verse 8, there is no uh, compulsion Rule requiring guests to drink only when the king raised his goblet uh, was set aside. They were permitted to drink as they desired. Uh, Vachetti, this Persian word, uh, Vachetti means best. In the Feast for Women, she hosted her own banquet just for women simultaneously with her husband's grand party. So now let's uh, take a summary here of verses 1 through 9, and then we will uh, carry on through uh, chapter, uh, verse 22 here at the end of chapter 1. So Ahasuerus celebrates his ascension to the throne with extravagant drinking parties for the government officials and the common citizens. Some people today find it necessary to build even bigger houses and buy more expensive cars. Christians must resist social uh, societal influences that encourage extravagant materialism. God graciously cares for us, providing us all of our necessities for daily living. And as 1 Timothy 6, 8, his kingdom and his righteousness are the very best of all of his gifts, Matthew 6, 33. So the reason I make that statement is we see this extravagant way of living, and obviously we know that this wasn't encouraged. Uh, This isn't really the the foundation to the Christian living is to live an extravagant lifestyle. Being wealthy and having you know, a nice house and a good car and, and all that stuff is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a matter of how well you are a, a steward of your finances. Are you swimming into your eyeballs in debt and you don't give any money and all you do is consume, 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 then you are partaking in the societal influence to drink up the materialism that's there. If you have all these nice things, but yet you are generous with your money, you're giving away a lot of it to help other people, you do everything you can to give people legs up if you're a business leader, things like that, that is the call that Christians are supposed to have. We are supposed to love our neighbor 
as we love ourselves. And so we are to take care of those who are less fortunate than us. So as I mentioned, it, it doesn't, you know, the, like the big house or nice car or anything like that. If you find yourself in a, in a job with a skill set that's going to earn you a lot of money, pay close attention to the influences that the world gives you and the influences that the church gives you. If you are more influenced by the world, is your faith with Christ present and real in your life? So as we see in these first nine verses, Ahasuerus is celebrating his lavish excite, uh, lifestyle here. He's just become uh, the king, and so he's throwing this big party, and it encourages you know, over-living, if you would. Now, moving into uh, verse 10, this section here is titled Queen uh, Vachetti's Refusal, and this will carry us all the way through to the end. Uh, and then we will actually see Esther come on in uh, chapter 2. So in verse 10, this seventh day, the king's week-long drinking party is coming to an end. And uh, in verse 12, uh, v- refuses to leave, although no reason is stated. Queen uh, Vachetti's and Puritans may have stemmed from her revulsion at being displayed publicly before the king's drunken and uh, lasficacious lakeys merely in an, as an inornamental object. So she's, she's mad at the king because he decides to parade her in front of all of his drunk people. Uh, all of his cronies or henchmen, I don't know if you want to call them that, uh, people who served him, uh, the notes I have says uh, lackeys, so take that as you would. But she's upset because he embarrassed her. And so uh, Vasetti's refusal, this is the enraged and anger burn, her refusal to obey was a public humiliation for, for the powerful king. Uh, verse 13, wise men who knew the times, probably royal astronomers who knew the inner workings of the kingdom, uh, the previous legal proceedings, the pulse of the nation, and the most propontuous astrological signs to guide the king's decisions. Again, in this time period, these were uh, people who would give notes to the king, guide them. They were people who studied the stars, the movements of the stars, and they would take the signs that they see in the heavens and tell, you know, these are how you should be ruling over your kingdom. It was quite prominent to have these types of counsel in this particular time, just random obscure people too, by the way, it was, uh, you know, in this case, it's astronomers, these wise men, uh, other times it would be, you know, as if we look back to the, uh, the Exodus with Moses, we have uh, Moses and Aaron standing before the king performing signs as the uh, before the plagues come. But then the king has his prophets, if you would give them that title, come before and do the same thing. And so there were all of these types of you know random people that had jobs that served the king, and uh, these wise men, you know, were in that group. The verse 14, Persia, between the Caspian Sea and the Persian Sea, present-day Iran, uh, the media is northwest of Persia, joined with Babylon and 
overthrowing the Assyrian Empire in 612 BC, later conquered by Sirius the Great, or Cyrus the Great, and often linked with Persia in Scripture, as Daniel 5.31 says. Uh, this kings uh, saw the king's face, had uh, they had access to the Persian king, allowing them to converse with him as an uh, intimate cabinet advisor. Uh, so this is, again, like I said, verse 14. And these men, um, as it lists here in the text, uh, just looks like close advisors to the king, individuals who would provide counsel in uh, either war or lifestyle, farming, famine, things of that nature. Uh, worship even, they would have priests that would probably come and report, you know, whatever offering or whatever sacrifice needed to be done, all that kind of stuff. They, they, were, they all worked together as one kind of unit to uh, be a cabinet to the king. So as we move on here, verse uh, 16 through 20, this uh, Membukin overreacts and imagines, imagines a national crisis. His concern was that wifely contempt for husbands could disrupt the empire by lowering male authority and provoking wrath. That's, that's interesting because these four verses summarize that up and I don't, we have to be careful with how we place this in modern eyes and modern mouths and ears today. I think the call of societal positioning has been to lower the male authority and it has been a drive to demasculize men and it has been a manner of uh, pumping men full of foods that lower their testosterone, such as soy, and they the society has done this to remove the quote-unquote toxic masculinity that seems to be present everywhere you turn, which in reality, there is no toxic masculinity. When men act out of line, they're not acting as a true man should act. They're acting as a child or an animal. But I find that as we, especially in the church, when men have lower authority, it allows people who should not be in the office of authority to take over and take power. And it could be anybody. It could be ill-equipped men. It could be ill-equipped women. It could be untrained. It could be uh, all sorts of different uh, rabbit holes that we could go down on this. But it's it's quite concerning with what we see here in scripture written, you know, some, you know, 2,500 years ago to what's actually happening in today's society. This is almost an echoing of today's society. Uh, verse 19, the king took his advice and dismissed his uh, defiant wife for, uh, from attending him. The divorce was decreed. Uh, Vachetti was not killed. She reappears in historical documents as a powerful uh, advisor her to her son uh, until her death in 424 BC. Uh, in verse 22, the own script, the uh, Persian cuneiform script, Egyptian uh, hieroglyphs, and uh, the Hebrew alphabet are very different. So messages, especially laws, had to be communicated in regional languages. 
uh, a Persian document from the region uh, or from the reign of Artaxerxes III was recorded in, in the Imperial Armanek, uh, Greek and Lycian. These texts emphasize different points based on the interests of local people. Uh, every man may be a master of his own household. Decree actually published, uh, publicized the king's weakness and humiliation because of his own failed marriage. He issued an empire-wide law ordering male rule. His decree of male mastery breathes a spirit far different than St. Paul's inspired directives of God-ordained roles of husbands and wives, which uh, we cover in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33. Uh, you know, and as I mentioned, the demasculinization of man, it's, you know, the focus obviously inside of a marriage, inside of a household is that uh, men and women have separate roles, but we are to love and obey our spouse. I've said this numerous times on the show that men have a specific role given to them by God. This goes all the way back to the garden, and this is what Paul echoes. Uh, but this particular framework, if you would, is much different than than what we see here. Now, this particular edict that's coming out of chapter 1 is the fact that uh, he is a failed king, and uh, Ahasuerus is a failed king, and in that failure, he decides that he's going to turn and, and create the sort of law that men have essentially complete authority over their own, their whole household, and they can do as they wish. And so that leads to a lot of uh, bad things down the road. Ahasuerus and Vashti are not models of moral virtue for believers, God uses the king's dismissal of his wife to prepare a way for Esther to become queen. God will often use evil deeds to work his own. Uh, as Joseph said to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50. Nothing demonstrates this truth far more clearly than Jesus' own death on the cross. Because of his death, we have life. And so... Anytime we get to scripture, we get to some of these kings that, you know, it may or may not be that great. A lot of them are, were wicked. Uh, they are not moral uh, models for moral virtue. And even in today's society, and, and I'll be blunt in telling you this, most pastors probably aren't great models of moral virtues. Uh, I say many, not all, but many are not great models. There are some good pastors out there that live a life dedicated to serving Christ and the church and their community. But as Paul says, we are to imitate him as he imitates Christ. And so if the imitation is not in a Christ-like manner, that person shouldn't be considered a model of uh, virtue, so of moral virtue. So we should be very discerning to how we approach people, especially in today's society, in terms of are they somebody that we should model our life after? Like, you know, these big shot Hollywood stars or entrepreneurs who are making millions of dollars every year uh, or the president of the United States, whatever person is in office, uh, what, or even our local congressmen or representatives, whatever it may be, we have to have discernment when it comes to seen past the smoke and mirrors that they show 
because they, you know, the people who essentially have the spotlight are only going to show you the highlights. They're not going to show you everything that goes on behind the scenes. And so there's a lot more that gets there. Whole rabbit hole that we could go on, a whole show that we could probably do on it. But we're going to end it for today. This will, um, by all means, conclude chapter one. We didn't get through chapter two today, but uh, next week, uh, if Chris would be so uh, welcoming back to read, we'll have chapter two read by him. Uh, Chapter two has 23 verses, about the same length as chapter one. If we can make it through, we'll get through chapter two and probably into some of chapter three. It's a shorter chapter. Uh, It's only 15 verses. So we could probably do uh, two and three next week. So we'll try to pick up the pace a little bit and work through the material and get you guys on the way. So so that is it for now. Uh, You guys have a great week. I was going to tell you something, and uh, it just kind of escaped my mind. So uh, hopefully I remember it. If not, all right. Guys, have a great weekend, and we'll see you all next week. God bless. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.